Hello everyone and welcome to the 46th episode of the Connectivity Podcast. I'm Matthias Friedström and I've spent the last 25 years inside the Connectivity community. In this pod we invite guests to deep dive into one of many subjects to simply learn more about connectivity. And in this 46th episode I'm extremely happy to continue to talk to Shavad Shabani from New York University. You mentioned a few times the next big thing, uh, and obviously our our listeners are super curious on what is the next big thing. You know, <laughs> what do you think these private companies or or what are they, what type of solutions do they want to solve uh, or problems? So, if I start with quantum computing, mm-hmm. um, there is sort of this transition that um, what what we read in the textbooks of quantum computing is a qubit that basically has zero errors. All right, right? Um, I can go from any point on the globe and on the earth, you know, from South Pole, North Pole, equator, and it's deterministic, it's 100% control, right? In reality, that's uh, that's not true. Like the noise and all of this will basically kill it. And the way you can imagine it is that these qubits live in an environment, right, and a material, and a vacuum. And, and these environments are classical. And classical environments want everything to be classical. So the quantum thing is actually fighting this classical environment that is basically embedded in to preserve its uh, its behavior. And and this, you know, right now we are doing, let's say, success rates of 99.99. And that's great. But then it turns out in quantum, you need maybe 10 nines, 11 nines. And that's where the challenge comes. And for, for a while, people thought, okay, it is impossible. And maybe it is impossible. I, I don't know. But then there was a brilliant idea that came out of nowhere. And, and that was around 2013, I think. Um, that maybe by combining these uh, four nine qubits, uh, we can make one that it has ten nines in terms of the fidelity mm-hmm. or the success. Um, and and it, the, the theory worked. It's a beautiful theory called surface code. Um, uh, and 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 people said, okay, great. So if we have this one qubit and we can scale up, maybe then we can combine every thousand to actually become a better qubit. Right. So we call that trans. Position um, the the four nines we call them physical qubit, uh, the ten nines we call it logical qubit, and the definition is a little bit blurry, right? It's not exactly four or ten, uh, but going from an okay qubit to a pristine qubit or a really good qubit, uh, we call this physical to logical qubit transition. And and um, to really, I would say the next breakthrough is to show we can actually make many logical qubits. And, and if we can do that, then we are on our path to actually unlock everything that was promised in the theory textbooks. All right. So and that I, is happening. That is happening now. There are some, yeah, yeah, there are some results from last year, more this year, and maybe by next year it's already done. Okay. We will see. Okay. And in, in communication, sort of, uh, you talked about the three areas, computing, communication, and sensing, you know, what's, what's the next breakthrough area in communication, quantum communication? 
So there are, again, this very similar to quantum computing, there are certain things in, in, in communication, and one of them is basically not losing that photon, right? Okay. If we can keep that photon in place, that would be fantastic. So how do we do it classically? Because the fibers are the same, right? We still lose photons in classical fibers. We have something called a repeater, mm-hmm. and the repeater basically pumps back uh, the same amount of uh, photons that are lost with the same state back into the channel. It turns out because of this, you know, uh, cloning theorem that you cannot copy quantum information, repeating the same qubit or qua- in a quantum state is very difficult. But it has become its own field of research that people are trying new tricks to create the first quantum repeater. I would say if you make a quantum repeater, we also make a transition into the next stage of quantum communication. Okay, so that's a big step then. All right. Um, one of the other areas that that everyone talks about in in this world is, of course, sustainability and all the, all the things around there. And I have heard that people say, you know, quantum computing and all that stuff will consume enormous amounts of power uh, in the data centers where they're used. Is, is there any truth in that, or are they not? Um, uh, let me take it both ways. I actually don't know the the, the true answer, but we can maybe calculate it together right now, right? So, mm-hmm. indeed, there are some qubits that, let's say, IBM and Google are after that need the cryostats that basically cool things down and the qubit circuits down to almost absolute zero temperature, right? Mm-hmm. So to do that, they use compressors that use, let's say, 10 kilowatt of power. If you want to scale up to billions of qubits, that would result, it's not one-to-one, but but you will definitely need megawatt of power, right? So that, yep. that would become almost comparable to the servers and, and things like that. The quantum in nature, uh, the quantum operation is actually, it's one of those things that is is minimalistic in terms of power consumption. It's actually a reversible circuit. If you have a quantum circuit, you run it from the beginning to the end, you can actually can run it from the end to the beginning. And because of this kind of linearity and reversibility, you can actually show that this consumes minimum amount of energy from the circuit point of view. So if you choose to, Follow with these cold temperature cryostats. Uh, there is a price for the cooling part and not the quantum part, practice, right? But if there is another way to make qubits that don't have to be cold, uh, then you don't just pay this price. So I think you know quantum inherently actually doesn't require much energy for manipulation because the system basically is reversible. Uh, but indeed, the way that you do it uh, could have costs, right? If you are using very high power lasers, then somebody has to pay for the high-power lasers. But in terms of sustainability, I would say the quantum problems, uh, you know, if, if we really can solve hydrogen problem, ammonia problem, the way that industry basically does things, right? You know, this this high optimization problems that quantum is very uh, well-versed for, right? I mean, if you remember, I said quantum can take in a very high-dimensional, you know, complicated thing, but the way that it output things is very minimal. Mm-hmm. But but there are problems like that, like let's say optimization problem, right? Uh, you want to find your the, the shortest path between two cities. It's a standard problem called traveling salesman problem, right? That there are 10 cities. You want to go from city one to uh, initial to final. And then the, you can take, you know, number one, two, three, four, five to 10, or you can start from three and go to four. And the question is, which one is the fastest route? And uh, this businessman can spend less time on the road. Uh, that's actually a very hard problem to calculate if you are thinking about 50 cities, for example, right? Uh, but the answer is just one, right? I mean, you you basically uh, want to know the, the optimized final answer. And it turns out quantum can do well on those. Or let's say you have 
a medical set and then you want to know the patient would live or not, right? Or the, the, the basically the answer is that uh, basically it's yes, no, or, or this is good or bad, or the resolution is small, right? Or maybe there are five options that you can choose from. Then, then quantum presumably can do well in these kind of problems, right? So, so I think in terms of sustainability, people are thinking about quantum chemistry type things like battery, hydrogen, ammonia, and also kind of the workflow, like, you know, how the processes can come in. Uh, those, those could have, you know, really high impact, although they are like at infancy right now. Okay, uh, but that's interesting. So there, there are both ups and downs in, in, in this area. And of course, sustainability is, is important going forward. Uh, you talked earlier about uh, funding and so on. And I know in Europe, there is a EU has de- sort of decided to spend quite a lot of money on quantum development the next coming years. Do you see the same pattern in US? Uh, are the government also involving themselves in this? Or is it all down to universities to to get the money themselves or uh, how's no it is a i think it's a global effort i I think you know from 10 years ago small things started here and there and then the governments i guess across the globe realized that uh i mean you you cannot be late to this game right you have Mm -hmm. to be at least i guess what they call quantum ready and Mm -hmm. we all have experts in other countries right but then Quantum is one of those things that you just can't buy it off the shelf, right? If somebody has it, you have to basically reproduce it. Mm-hmm. And that puts a very high barrier in terms of the hardware and software and everything that goes. It's a full stack, basically, problem, right? Um, so there is a lot of, as you said, investment in Europe uh, across all countries almost. Uh, United States is spending uh, quite a bit in terms of creating a community and, and try to kind of keep its leadership. Uh, Japan, Korea, lots of other countries also in Asia also looking at this. But in U.S., uh, we basically get a good share uh, or a split between the private sector, uh, government, and an industry. Because now that we have, you know, major tech players like um, Google, IBM, Amazon having big quantum programs, there are things that are coming out, right? You know, it's not that uh, it's just kind of isolated. Lots of startups that are basically creating and working with universities. Uh, obviously, there are federal grants that you can apply to uh, from the U.S. government. Uh, but also, there is a lot of investment even you know, from um, donations and things like that, that basically people are really want to see you know, their home institutions to lead the way and then kind of making bigger programs. And by all of that, uh, the public and private universities trying to create new centers, like our center, which is basically one year old now. Uh, there, are, there are many, many centers, if you look at the last five years, that basically have grown and they are hiring in that area and trying to kind of make self, make themselves a platform uh, for the next discoveries. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, when, when we talk about the, the future, you said that some things are, are further out and so on. You know, if you and I would have this conversation in five years, you know, what, what, what would you think we would talk about in, in terms of quantum? You know, where, where would the quantum yeah. world be? If you would guess, yeah, I fully understand right, right. five years is so yeah, far me, away, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's a great question. Uh, let me look back uh, for a second, right? You know, if you would have asked me this question when I was finishing my postdoc, and again, my job was to make one qubit, two qubits, I would have said this would go nowhere, mm-hmm. right? It was so hard to make two qubits, and we put a lot of effort, lots of small people on that project, you know, and and good amount of money. Uh, but things progressed not really because it was incremental or it was engineering, because we needed breakthroughs. We needed to know things that we didn't know back then, right? 
and and some magic way these breakthroughs keep coming right you know you would say you know you get lucky once but almost every year there is a new idea right we don't run out of ideas uh somehow right i, I think that's just not guaranteed right you know just just having these new things but i mean that's what i was saying that you know because of the excitement uh, in, in in this area there are lots of good people coming from all sort of places electrical engineering mechanical engineering um computer science right and then you you're really trying to do one algorithm and then the, another computer science fellow says oh you can also do it this way which is much more natural to your system then the whole new path opens up basically right so so if you ask me now again i know when i write even grants right i know what i want to do next year and the year after that mm-hmm. but i really don't know what i'm going to do in the third year until i know the results of basically next year and the year after that so there is a vision Mm-hmm. that we think you know we see the end but we don't see the path at least i don't see the path but that path is really shaping as we are going forward so in five years i, I really don't know i mean we could be anywhere right depending on how this path takes us uh, but if you just look at the slope and extrapolate it looks pretty promising mm-hmm. oh that's that sounds we're gonna, yeah we're gonna have things that uh, we would not have imagined today Okay. Oh, that's really, really cool. Um, you said that you 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 get input from other angles, um, people coming from uh, mechanical engineering and other engineering degrees. Uh, are there also people coming from the sort of telecom world that I kind of represent here that comes to you and says, you know, hey, Shravad, it would be great if you could help me turn up a circuit between A and B. Or are, are, are those type of discussions coming to you or, or is it the other way around that you're doing your research and then... Uh, yeah, what type of no, sort this of... is this is starting to happen, I guess, uh, very recently again, um, because, you know, there is this also kind of uh, quantum computing, you know, is this kind of the golden boy on the block, because, you know, if you can solve it, it becomes dangerous and, and very important to address immediately. Right. Communication, because we don't have the infrastructure. And again, I cannot hack a place that we don't have a fiber to. Right. So, mm. so it's kind of a, it, it's a very different, I guess, kind of in nature. But but now. Again, if you look at the communication wireless, for example, right, you know, 4G, 5G, and now people are thinking about 6G and beyond. Mm-hmm. And in that beyond, I have had discussions with, you know, people from Verizon and Siemens and uh, Nokia that look how quantum is basically can play a role in that one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we talked about fibers. You can do free space quantum communication. There is nothing against that. Uh, people actually have demonstrated free space uh, communication. People have shown some pre- preliminary results through satellites that you can send a photon to a satellite. China did this a while ago. Other people are trying again uh, to actually communicate back. So then once those things are a bit more mature, um, then then we are basically have the same infrastructure. And then we basically we can go back to these integrated solutions that um, you do these things, you know, 5G or 6G. But then now you have this quantum part that you would not have had it before if you would not have employed that technology. So I think as by time we are maturing in, in these different directions, like nobody, I mean, I can't remember who did the first free space uh, quantum communication, but I would have imagined that was very wild when they mm-hmm. thought about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now there are many people trying it. I've seen labs with telescopes that actually send these single photons with all these challenges. Uh, so it's becoming mature by time for sure. And I think these discussions with you know big providers would actually just, Uh, expand uh, more and more um, as mm-hmm. we go forward. 
Oh, that's that's super exciting. You just mentioned 6G, and I, I just need to ask because a lot of people are walking around believing that you know when 6G is launched in 2030 or whatever it's going to be launched, then it's going to be all based on quantum computing. And I think you know that's probably not true at all. But uh, would you say that quantum technology could play a role when the next mobile networks rollout will happen? Are there any um, use cases I mean, for quantum in there that make sense? Hard to say, right? Because, again, one thing that you don't have right now is uh, a speed mm. and this repeatability, right? So if you have a quantum repeater next year, then we are in business. And, again, if you kind of pick up speed, which also kind of re- related to the loss, right? If I cannot get many photons out, then I cannot also make it faster. Uh, so, so these are kind of intertwined in some sense. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the speeds that we are talking about in, in 6G and distances, these are compatible with quantum. It's not against it. So it, I can imagine at least at the first step, there would be hybrid solutions if the technology matures fast enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at Cisco, for example, that's their business is all communication. They have a quantum research lab um, yep. in Los Angeles, and they are actually thinking about how they can connect people through it. So that's, that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, are, are those type of companies coming to you as well to sort of get, get good ideas or do you, are they also well, we developing? Are talking, the, yeah. Yeah, we are talking about, you know, the strategies. And again, some of these things, investments are, you know, millions of dollars. So you basically have to make it in a smaller program and then test some conceptual ideas, make sure all this stuff are lined up and then write bigger proposals. So we are on the, I would say, preliminary discussions of how maybe this can become, how, how the big proposal is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super exciting. Um, we're coming towards the end of this conversation. It's been super great. I've, I've really learned a lot of things, you know. Uh, just for the final words, you know, what, what would you say, you know, uh, when, when in time will we see real significant things that may affect the normal person on the street from quantum or is that just so far away so we can't even talk about it oh it's definitely closer than we think yeah. uh, again I, i'm not a very optimistic person but i'm also <laughs> not pessimistic uh, i believe in quantum this is going to basically come into our real life mm. if you think about it quantum sensing is already there all the gps systems are actually based on quantum systems um, quantum sensors Mm. that are employed. Uh, quantum communication is very near. I mean, we just did it in Manhattan. We're going to expand. Uh, the, the question is really like, how are we going to really adopt it? And and that really becomes a more political and, and basically social kind of concerns, right? It's how When people are ready. But let, let me just, you know, just think loudly here. Uh, you know, connectivity is great. Like, you're all mm. kind of enjoying that and, and we love it. But once... There are two things that worries me personally. One is the security of the information. Second is the trustworthy of, of, of the information I receive, right? Some, some, you know, fake news and other things are basically coming and then those basically affect our um, knowledge, right? So, so basically, I think at some point, the security and, and kind of the verification part of it becomes important enough and that has some sort of a natural relationship to quantum, right? If you look at the, the example of the, these two photons or qubits that we wanted to make and send one to the other side of the universe, that's your hidden link. That's the hidden trust. That's how you mm-hmm. can verify things if you want, right? At least hypothetically. So so I think as we go there, there will be a need, uh, whether there are competing solutions, right? This industry is very competitive, as we know, from 2000 to now. And 
how things come up and went down. Um, but but you know, quantum, you know, ten years ago was too far away from mm-hmm. my my family, for example, <laughs> that they don't do quantum, yeah. right? But but now everybody is hearing more. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just read newspapers and and companies, you know, investing in this. And then from the high end side, we are getting applications closer to. So I think there are needs that quantum can address. And the practicality of it is really the technology and the engineering, whether you know we can employ it in the right way and a useful way, right? You don't want to wait for your browser to take five minutes to load. Mm-hmm. Nobody has that patience anymore, right? No. So so there are challenges we have to solve, but I think it brings new perspective. Oh, that's really cool. And I think that's a perfect way of ending this. You know, there is some there is some hope. There are some good things coming out. And, and uh, we all look forward to the next uh, development in quantum. So, Shavad, super thanks for being on my podcast. So, thank you very much for being here. A pleasure. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will soon be back with a new guest, so please follow us on X, ConnectivityPod, for updates. Stay tuned until next time.